The subject I've been given today is, are there more than one Korans, one more than one copy of the Koran? And the second one is, has the Bible been corrupted? Obviously, that's a very large <coughs> subject, and I will not be able to speak on all that I would like to. If there's one verse I would leave with you, it's 2 Corinthians 2 and 17. For we, not, we are not as many which corrupt the word of God, but as of sincerity, as of God, in the sight of God, speak we in Christ. Corruption of the word of God, of course, began in the Garden of Eden. I've said to our folk, do you know there's one word that brought about all the trouble that's in the world? And there have been some good guesses at it, but none of them got it. And uh, that word is not. Ye shall not surely die. You see, we say, don't make a man an offender for a word, but there are some words that are vital in the context in which they occur, and that one is not. That brought down all the misery in the world because Eve and Adam believed that not, rather than when God said, ye shall surely die, and uh, the attack, of course, has come from both within and without the church. And one of the most successful, should we say, from the devil's point of view, has been that of Islam. It is the fastest growing religion in the world, not necessarily by converts to it, but by the numbers of children born into Muslim families. In this country, the average of people born in this country is one and a half children per couple. For Muslims, it's eight. And I read something like 10 years ago now, I think, that in 50 years, purely on birth, numbers, they would be in the majority. And so apart from anything else, it is in our interest to know what they believe and what it is based upon. Because Pastor Simpson here, and I know John also, who Sherwood, who ministers with them, they're often challenged by the Muslims. We have one Quran you've got several Bibles. And we do need to know the truth about the Koran in order to be able to answer them effectively. We also need to know what corruption did go on in, the, in regard to the manuscripts, but actually to show that it doesn't justify the claims of Islam. Just to give you a quick background, 
Muhammad was born in Mecca in AD 570. He died in 632 AD. His father's name was Ab Allah. There's the name of the deity that was already used to denote the god of the Arabian Arabs. They worship the moon, and unlike other places in the Middle East, the moon was regarded as a male deity and was known as Allah. And uh, so he didn't have to explain to the pagans what the word Allah meant, because they were aware of it already. And you will notice on Muslim countries' banners they always have a moon on display, uh, the sickle of the moon, so to speak, and that's where it comes from, the moon worship. So his father already had the name Allah. He had a, a uncle called Abdullah, which incorporates the name Allah, and it was a well-known name amongst the Arabs of that time. He belonged to the Quarash tribe, I hope I'm pronouncing that right, who controlled Mecca and the Kaaba, which was a heathen worshipping centre. There's a black stone, apparently, it's, nobody really knows, but think it came from outer space, it became the centre of worship. And the camel caravans came across the desert and passed through that area, and each of the different religions put their idols in the Kaaba and the surrounds, and uh, so it was sort of a smorgasbord of religion, a pagan ecumenical, if you like. And uh, they brought great profit to Mecca. Uh, the heathen worshipped their various gods at that shrine, then went about a mile away and threw stones at Satan, which the Muslims still do when they go there on pilgrimage. His, mother, his father died before he was born, and his mother died when he was still young. So he was farmed out to relatives to be brought up by them. Two of them were wealthy. They seemed to have passed him on to a poor relative. And he worked as a, in the camel caravans and so on, just doing general drudgery, I suppose. He could neither read nor write, as most of the Arabs in those days couldn't. So then he had a supernatural experience as a young man when supposedly a divine being opened him up, stirred up his insides, and closed him up again. No reason being given for why that happened. He married a wealthy woman a wealthy widow, she was 40-something odd, she owned a camel caravan, and he, from then on, was in wealthy circumstances. But he was in the habit, even from a young man, of going into various caves around the area and fasting, and then, after a certain period of time, he began to have these revelations, but they were always preceded by, to be charitable, we call them epileptic fits, 
but it was almost certainly demonic possession, judging by the symptoms he displayed. He'd fall on the ground, he'd froth at the mouth, he'd tremble all over. Now, people do have epileptic fits, but they don't get revelations, to my understanding, when they do, because that is, you know, there is something wrong, uh, you know, a medical condition. This was very common amongst the Arabs in the peninsula, and devil worship and occult was widely practiced. In fact, his mother apparently was very much into the occult. And so he began to get these revelations, and he himself was doubtful as to whether it was from Allah or from demonic sources. So much so that he set off on one occasion to commit suicide. But he got a revelation on the way that told him that what he was doing was of God and he was called to be a prophet and an apostle. In due time, he said that if people wanted to know that what he said was true or not, they were to go to the people of the book. In several of the surahs, I have a list of them, he said that if anything he said was contrary to the Bible, then he wasn't of God, of Allah, as he called him. It was from another source. Now, his revelations were not systematically written down. He himself couldn't read nor write, of course. Most of the Quran was in the memory of what they called the reciters. Obviously, because most couldn't read nor write, this was the best way of memorizing the Word of God, what he called the Word of God, Allah, rather than writing it down. But when he died, there was no manuscript containing all the revelations. There were bits and pieces written on bones of animals, bits of wood, palm leaves, and rocks even. There wasn't any collection of his sayings written down, as the Muslims claim. There wasn't any one manuscript. And after his death, there were several versions of the Quran in existence, chiefly taken down from the memory of the reciters. Well, as we well know, our memories are uh, rather not trustworthy. And so in the reign of Uthman the Caliph, the Muslim armies were warring in Iraq, and different groups had different Korans, such as they were. And there was quite a bit of uh, disagreement amongst them. So now, with these different Korans in existence, something had to be done about it. So Uthman ordered that all the Korans in existence should be gathered up, and he appointed a man to supervise the issuing of a new Koran. 
and all the other Korans were to be destroyed on pain of death. So when the Muslim would say to you, we've only got one Koran and it's always been one Koran, would say, well, how come that Uthman ordered all the other copies to be destroyed? And the actual Shia Muslims, they're quite a large sect of the Muslims, the Sunni, the Shia, they say that 25% of the Quran is actually missing to what it was originally. So this whole business about one Quran is a blatant lie, and they know it. But they have to say that. Because they say that the Quran was sent down from heaven, and it's not written like our Bible, God used the penmen. You can tell the different characteristics, for instance, between Isaiah and Jeremiah, but God so controlled them that what they wrote was the word of God. That's not their Muslim view, that it came down from heaven, already written, as it were, and it's in perfect Arabic. And Muhammad had no input into it. He was merely a vehicle through which Allah revealed himself. And that the Arabic of the Quran is perfect. It is not. It is in the dialect of the Quraysh tribe to whom he belonged. In addition, there are words in it from Ethiopian, Assyrian, Akkadian, Persian, and I forget what else, languages. Because with the camel caravans coming in, as we do here, we have words that are imported from other peoples. You probably don't realize just how many words in English come from India, for instance. Uh, because we're so used to knowing them, we don't realize their origins, and so on. So the claim that it was in perfect Arabic came, it supposedly was written on a big table in heaven and given down to him and he was just the vehicle but on occasion there was a friend of him who actually modified his revelations and put it in better Arabic and then this man said to Muhammad well how can it be for Allah, from Allah if uh, I'm modifying it and you're saying this is the word of Allah. So he actually apostatized from the Islamic religion and died for his pains. I tell you, it was violent from the beginning. So now, coming up therefore to more modern times, when they, you challenge an, an Islamist, a Muslim, in regard to things that are in the Quran, and I'll give you a list of some in a moment or two, they will say, ah, that's because the Bible has been corrupted. Because Muhammad taught that it was the same God, Allah, that gave the Bible Old and New Testament. The, he acknowledged the Bible as being the word of Allah, not, of course, what we would call God. And therefore, it had to be in keeping with the book and what the people of the book said. 
So here then we have a whole raft of things in the Quran that are completely at odds with the Bible, Old and New Testament. So they have to revert to saying the Bible is corrupt, has been corrupted. And if you ask the proof of that, they will say, I have no proof, but it has been corrupted because the Quran says thus and so, and the Quran is perfect, therefore the Bible must be corrupted. So you'll go round and round in circles. The Quran's perfect, the Bible's corrupted. How do you know the Bible's corrupted? Because the Quran's perfect, and the, <laughs> and the things there that the Bible doesn't agree with. For instance, in two surahs, now surah is a revelation. It says that the earth was created in six days, which is quite correct. Then in another surah it says it was eight days. And this particular man, Robert Morey, I used his book, it says the invasion of Islam. He was debating this with a Muslim, and this Muslim was trying to prove to him that eight equals six. You see, that's what you come up against. You won't get logical argument from them. Have you noticed on the news now with what's going on in the Middle East, all you get out of them is Allah Akbar. Because the, the Quran is one heap of confusion. There is no chronological order in it. It's you just can't make sense of it. It says, some of the scholars say, you have to be a very determined person to study it, to try and understand it, because it's garbled, it contradicts itself. You might have a revelation concerning his wives, telling them to stop quarreling. There's another revelation. He had an adopted son who had a beautiful wife who he saw unveiled, and lusted after her and ordered his adopted son to divorce her so he could marry her. Naturally enough, neither of them were very enamored about that. So he gets a revelation from Allah. Very convenient. That's just some of the things that are in there that are completely contrary and contradictory. Now, in regard to his call... There's four different accounts of how you were supposedly called to be a prophet. And first of all, in Surah 53, 2 to 18, Surah 81, 19 to 24, we are told that Allah personally appeared to Muhammad in the form of a man and that Muhammad heard him speak. In Surah 1602 and Surah 26, 192 to 194, we are informed that he was called by the Holy Spirit. In Surah 15:18, we are informed that the angels came down to Muhammad and announced that he was a prophet. And then the final one in Surah 2:97, we are informed it was the angel Gabriel, Gabriel who issued the call and handed down the Quran to him. Those people who assert that because 
he said Gabriel, or at least his followers said it was Gabriel, was because Gabriel was very much involved in the birth of Christ and, you know, the ministry of John the Baptist. Because, you see, Muhammad never made claims for himself that he could perform miracles or any such thing. So the Muslims later on in the Hadith and other writings invented all sorts of miracles and tales about Muhammad which simply aren't true. They say, for instance, that Muhammad was a sinful, uh, sinless man, sorry. But the Quran actually says, supposedly Allah, Allah speaking to him, he said, you're a sinner. You need to, you know, have your sins forgiven. The ones you've committed and the ones you will commit. So it's, it's a, just a mass of contradiction, very difficult to understand. And that, in my opinion at any rate, is why all you ever hear from the uh, Muslims is Allah Akbar, Allah Akbar all the time, because that's really all they know about him. They have very little idea as to who Allah is, because to say that he's a person is to bring him down from the level of what he is. He's the unknowable. And you cannot have a personal relationship with him. And also in regard to salvation, it's based on works and paradise, is 73 virgins, I think, and as much wine as you can drink. Although that's forbidden while they live, they are allowed four wives. Muhammad is 16, as well as a number of concubines. His youngest was Aisha, I think that's the correct pronunciation, betrothed to him at six and consummated at eight. That still happens in the Arab world. So now we have also in the Quran actual mention of events in the Bible. And he gets it all wrong. He confuses Mary, the mother of the Lord, with Miriam, the sister of Moses, Nairn. They teach that it was Ishmael that Abraham was offered up, not, not uh, uh, Isaac, that Abraham repaired the Quran, sorry, the Kaaba, which Adam built. That's the heathen idol which they now worship, the center of Muslim worship. And that he lived in Mecca, Abraham did. And that Nimrod, threw him into a fire. When Nibrod lived hundreds of years before Abraham. You see, he only heard of the Bible by word of mouth, tales around the campfire. He couldn't read nor write. So he only had a garbled understanding of what Christians and Jews actually believed. He believed that the flood happened in the days of Moses. I have a list, actually, for those of you who are interested. I only did five copies, just summarizing some of these points. You'll have to do the rest of the digging for yourself. So, he, uh, 
He said that Abraham's father was Azar, not Terah. That the ark came to rest on a totally different place to what the Bible says it was. So he's altogether confused about what the Bible actually teaches. And the Muslim scholars try to cover up, they even will alter the Quran to say something different than it actually says, in order to cover up the errors that are in the Quran, just, you know, of persons, never mind doctrinal things. And they have, as I say, people living at all the wrong times, living together when they actually lived hundreds of years apart. Now the Quran states that Christians believe that God has a male body and Christ was conceived by having relations with Mary. Now they believe in the virgin birth, by the way, but they see it in a very sensual manner, rather like the Mormons. The Mormons actually took quite a bit of teaching from Islam, believe it or not. They do not understand the Trinity. They think the Christians worship three gods. They're not the only ones that do that. Jehovah's Witnesses and such like. The God the Father, God the Son and Mary. Well, we know who does worship Mary, in effect. They claim that hallelujah means praise to Allah. They claim that the Holy Spirit is actually a prophecy foretelling the coming of Muhammad. When Christ said, I will send you another comforter, then he was referring to Muhammad as the comforter. With the Bible, of course, doesn't say the Holy Spirit is a prophet. He's the inspirer of prophets. And he is a spirit, which, of course, Muhammad wasn't. There are many other things that I, I could uh, mentioned to you. They deny the crucifixion. They say that he was put on the cross and then he was substituted. That he was taken down from the cross and somebody else was put in his place. So obviously from that they also deny the resurrection. They have no idea of course of the blood atonement and why Christ died and what salvation is because of course at the basis of it as most heresies is salvation by works. So when it comes to the judgment you're weighed in the balance and though you may have a lot of good works if, uh, if Allah well maybe out of a he just, might, he just might not like you and he'll damn you anyway, even though you've got a lot of good works. It's very arbitrary. But the only way that you can guarantee paradise is to die in jihad, killed in battle. That guarantees you paradise. So from the beginning... It has all the marks of being satanic. It is something that he himself 
thought might be the case. He thought he was being led by the jinn. That's where you get the word genie from. The magic lantern. That's not a, that's not a, 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 a nice fairy thing. That's actually speaking about demonic spirits. And his wife, his first wife, actually persuaded him he was such a good man that couldn't possibly be the case. He stated, as I say, the fact that everything that was revealed was in accordance with the book, the Bible. And as I say, he said, if you want to know the truth, ask the people of the book. That's Christians and Jews. He was completely confused about the many of the characters in the Bible having them living at the same time. Another thing that he was wrong about, when Noah went in the ark, he left one of his sons refused to go in the ark and perished in the flood. And you could go on and on and on. But their whole get out from this is the Bible's been corrupted. So now I come to the second part. Has the Bible been corrupted? Some of the manuscripts have, and there is a big battle going on over that, but not in any way to justify the teachings of the Islamic faith. But there is a corrupt text upon which many of the modern Bibles are based, and there is what we call the received text on which the Geneva Bible, the Bishop's Bible, and the AV are based and were based. The received texts constitute most of the existing manuscripts, but the earlier manuscripts written on papyrus, of course, largely perished because it's a perishable material, but there were two manuscripts from around the 4th, perhaps 5th century, survived, because they're written on vellum, calfskin or deerskin, which is much more durable, called the Sinaiticus and the Vaticanus. They're of a similar family, but they disagree amongst themselves in thousands of places. So when it came to revising the authorized version, it meant only some archaic words needed to be removed and put in modern English because it seems especially the educated people can't understand old English. I have had educated people say to me on many occasions, especially teachers, we are unable to understand the language of the AV, ver- the AV version of the Bible, the authorised version. I said, well, that's strange. I said, I'm from the west of Ireland. And I said, I was brought up on the AV. I said, I know some words I didn't understand, but I asked. So I understand the English of it, but I didn't understand the spiritual implications of it. So I said, if I from the west of Ireland can understand it, I think we need to look into the education system and the teachers can't understand it. 
it amazes me, but it was agreed that it needed some of the words like let, which means prevent. I would have no objection to that, but then again, any minister worth his salt will tell the congregation, well, this actually means not to allow, but to prevent the opposite, and so on. But Westcott and Hart, two bishops of the Church of England, were determined to bring into being a completely new version based on corrupt manuscripts. They swore the committee appointed to secrecy, but a man called Scrivener refused to be silenced, and he exposed what was going on. So to cut a long story short, the revised version and all the versions since, apart from the New King James, are based basically upon the Westcott and Hort text. And the, the, the reason, for instance, the Sinaiticus was found in the monastery of St. Catherine, Greek Orthodox, monastery in Sinai and it was sort of put to one side they didn't make use of it in their uh, daily services or whatever because they regarded it as corrupt that's why it's in good shape because it hadn't been handled it was just put to one side and uh, whereas the others through use especially the papyrus ones didn't last very long and even the ones on vellum were worn out and so on. So that's, and the Vaticanus and Sinaiticus, though belonging to the same family, do disagree in many places between themselves. Now I'm giving a very brief overview here. So, one remarkable thing about these Bibles, based on the corrupt manuscripts, is, amongst other things, leave out several verses that refer, or alter several verses that refer to the deity of Christ. Because you see, there was the Arian heresy in the early church that denied the deity of Christ, and they did corrupt the word of God. That's why Paul says here, we are not as many who corrupt the word of God. Satan didn't hang around very long before he corrupted it in Eden. He didn't have much to corrupt, but as I say, he put one word in, disaster. And in the early church, many of the epistles are written to correct heresies, Judaizing and Gnosticism in particular. Of course, in Corinth, it was immorality of all sorts and descriptions, they having come from a very immoral background. But straight away, the word of God was under attack. And of course, when Christ was on earth, he was opposed by the Pharisees, etc., who said he was a lunatic, a swindler, a deceiver, an insurrectionist, etc., etc. So the word of God was cor corrupted by the Arians, and they tampered with scriptures that testify to the deity of Christ. But you see, the devil doesn't corrupt everything all at once. He does it bit by bit. So we don't notice this happening, as it were. So let me give you an example. 1 Timothy 3.16, I think I'm right in saying this. 
A.V. Great is the mystery of godliness. God was manifest in the flesh. That's a testimony to the deity of Christ. Modern versions. Great is the secret of our religion. He was manifest in the flesh. The word God's removed. That's a testimony to the deity of Christ. It's something I noticed the other day, because I use the NIV just to check up on things, because I have it in Greek, and I'm not a Greek scholar, but I can follow the interlinear. In Romans chapter 1, I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. That's been changed to, I'm not ashamed of the gospel. But that leaves the door open for any gospel, doesn't it? There's only one gospel, it's the gospel of Christ. See how subtle it is? And I could go on and on. Philip and the Ethiopian eunuch. Reading from Isaiah 53, God says to Philip, join him in his chariot. Understandest thou what thou readest? Well, he said, I can't except somebody helps me. So Philip preached unto him Jesus. So the eunuch, as he came to a water, said, what hinders me to be baptized? The A.V. says that Philip said to him, If thou believest with all thine heart, thou mayest. That's left out. So in the modern versions, I don't know if it's in them all, it is, if you believe, is left out. He just baptizes him. Opens the door to a baptismal regeneration. Do you see that? Baptism is on the basis of confession of faith. In Christ, that's left out. And there's, there's many more similar, and apparently that uh, modern versions, again, I'm not sure follow the same, I'm not talking about the New King James, but modern versions, they leave out as many words as would constitute the first and second epistle of, of Peter. Remember what the Bible says in the last book, you know, adding to or taking away from the word of God. Now you say to me, yes, but there's enough in these modern versions in order for people to be saved. Yes, there is. And there are still verses in there that testify to the deity of Christ. Yes, there are. But the thing is that some have been removed, and I can guarantee down the line the rest would follow. That's how Satan works. So you think about it. Literally hundreds and hundreds of words missing. Now that's what the Shiites said about the Quran. There's 25% of it missing. Well, it's not nearly as bad as that in the Bible. But the point about this is that even though there, is, there has been corruption in the Bible and we know what they are and we do have the proper Bible because God promised to preserve it. Christ said, till heaven and earth pass away one jot or one tittle will in no wise pass from the law till all be fulfilled. Now people say to me, yeah, but there's been, you know, new, there's no doctrine has been, you know, affected by the new Bible. I said, oh yes, there has. That God said he would preserve his word. And according to you people, it hasn't. 
Because to say something like this, the best we can hope for is to get back to maybe 90% of the original. That means God hasn't kept his promise. See what I'm saying? It is serious, friends. It is serious. It's caused confusion. It's caused aggro as well. In the church of Jesus Christ. But none of it bears testimony to the accusations that the Islamists make. They all testify to the crucifixion of Christ, the death of Christ, and the resurrection of Christ. And even though there are verses left out concerning the deity of Christ, is still, even in the most corrupt versions, still testify to the deity of Christ. Many... Years ago, I went to a Bible college. It was a holiness college, and uh, they had a Baptist minister doing the Old Testament introduction, and he started talking about pre-Adamite men. I didn't know very much at the time, but I did say, well, I said, you know, you just completely undermine what the Bible teaches about the first and second Adam, or last Adam. Men of corrupt minds, compromised, and this has brought about confusion. Here's a thought. There never has been a revival using a modern version in the English-speaking world. And ever since the introduction of these modern versions, the church has been going down. I used to publish a magazine called Protestant Old Paths, and older people used to write to me and say, we don't go to church anymore. We can't follow the reading of the Bible. It's all confusion. Who's the author of confusion? So, let's finish. Islam is a mixture of confusion. It's got the whole load of people living at the same time who lived hundreds of years apart. It contradicts itself several times over. It is obviously satanic. Islam is an extremely violent religion, as you know. They say Islam means peace, it doesn't, it means submission. And their object is to rule the world. Indeed, in the 11th and 12th centuries, there were Islamists, high and hashish, going around assassinating their rivals. They were called hash-hashins. That's where you get the word assassin from. It's always been violent. It was spread at the point of the sword. Muhammad, he didn't foresee his own death. It was not, the Quran was not collected in a manuscript when he died. Mostly in the memory of reciters. And many of those reciters had been killed in battle before Uthman tried to get a single Quran and ordered the rest to be Destroyed. One final thought. Muhammad thought teaching was that the Bible was inspired by Islam as well as the Quran. Well, if that is the case and they say the Bible has been corrupted and hasn't been preserved, then the same thing must apply to the Quran. Because it's the same God who supposedly inspired both. So he's failed in to keep the Bible from being corrupted. It has been, as I say, but 
there, the, enough of the real manuscripts are available to point out where, it, where the errors are. And so, therefore, we have the Bible as God intended before us. But the teachings of the Quran are so clearly contrary to the Word of God that there is not one single iota of evidence, and we have manuscripts going back before Muhammad was ever born, that bear testimony to their allegation that the Bible's been corrupted and that's why the Bible doesn't line up with the Quran. Amen.